In today's gospel, we hear a conversation between Nicodemus and Jesus about the presence of God and seeing the kingdom of God. Nicodemus is one who thinks that Jesus is particularly close to God in a unique way. He's never met anyone quite like Jesus. But he also comes into this conversation as a Pharisee with a preconceived notion, which is to be one of God's people, one has to be part of the Jewish family. One has to be a child of Abraham. So he comes to Jesus in the night when he is least likely to be noticed and says, Rabbi, I can see based on your signs that you come from God. Translation, your teachings are controversial, which is why I did not come to see you in broad daylight. (laughs) But we know you are a teacher, part of the Jewish community, a child of Abraham. And because of the signs you have done, we know you are closely connected to God. Jesus senses where Nicodemus is going with this. It is one of what will be many misunderstandings about Jesus, about the kingdom of God, and about Jesus' mission, and what it means to be God's people. Jesus knows that Nicodemus, however well-intentioned, has a narrow view about God's kingdom, about who is in and who is out, and how God's kingdom should function, that God's kingdom belongs to the children of Abraham only, and will function as a godly yet political overlord to the rest of the world. So Jesus tries to push Nicodemus in a new direction, telling him that to see God's kingdom, one must be born from above. All this confuses Nicodemus. He has his own limited notions about birth, about God's people, about God's community. He can't see it. How can someone be born after growing old? Jesus further attempts to explain what he's saying. He's not talking about a birthright into God's kingdom. Being born into God's kingdom, seeing God's kingdom, participating in God's kingdom means entering into a new community and receiving the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit blows where it chooses. God will not be confined by human birth or human thought. God's kingdom is open to all who trust in Jesus. To trust in Jesus, even after he's lifted up on the cross, means to receive the Holy Spirit. All who put their trust in Jesus will be given eternal life. And this is not only about life after death, but about a quality of life now. It means living as if God's kingdom is here now and seeing the characteristics of that kingdom in the present. And the one characteristic that stands out above all in God's kingdom is the characteristic of love. Love is the mark we see and we embody when we trust in Jesus and are born from above. This love, this eternal life, God's kingdom, is not restricted to the few, but given to the whole world, received by any who will have it. To drive the point home, we then hear these words, some of the most famous in the entire Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, 
so that everyone who believes in him may not perish but have eternal life. Indeed, God did not send the Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. The whole world is offered the love of God, not the few. God so loved the world. The Son comes to the world. The Spirit blows where it chooses. This is a God after all of creation who will not be contained. And it sounds very Trinitarian. Today we celebrate Trinity Sunday, the only Sunday on the calendar when we celebrate a particular doctrine. And doctrine is important. It grounds us in something larger than our own personal whims and beliefs. And it means we have to think and struggle and grow in faith. Doctrine helps define us as a people. We Christians have a different and distinctive way of understanding God, one that sets us apart from everybody else. And even though the prayers and the creeds and most of the symbols we use in worship each week are thoroughly Trinitarian, we tend not to spend much time thinking about the Trinity. The early church did think it through. It struggled for ways to make itself known as a monotheistic people in a polytheistic world. How can a group claim to worship one God when it worships Jesus and God and the Holy Spirit? So over time, the church learned to articulate the way humanity has experienced the one God and rooted that articulation in language found in Scripture, where we see God experienced as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The blessings of Trinitarian thinking are that we wound up with our creeds and with a host of ways of thinking about Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and with ways of articulating our faith to inquisitive minds. So we say things like, God the Father is the Creator, God the Son is revealed, in flesh and redeems the world through love. God, the Holy Spirit, dwells in us and reveals to us the saving work of Jesus Christ and strengthens us to do the work of Christ. There is one God, one creator. Through Christ, we know that God, and through the Spirit, we are led to Christ. But as we continue to think it through, we dig in deeper and come up with more ways to explain the Trinity, and it gets more dense with terminology such as economic trinity and the doctrine of appropriation. And over time, we exhaust ourselves because nothing fully captures God. Although we push and try to think through the faith, human thought, human language is limited and cannot express all that is God. God cannot be contained by doctrine. But whatever we say about the Trinity, or however confusing it gets, we see in Scripture, in doctrine, and in our experience that our God is a God of relationship. We often view relationship as two people or groups, often in some sort of imbalance of power, or perhaps even a struggle of power, one against the other. Yet God is revealed in three separate and distinct persons, not defined over and against each other, but in, with, and through each other. 
the relationship of the Trinity is mutual, it is free, and it is a shared interdependence, which is different than the kinds of relationships that govern our world. There is no power play. This is the stuff of real love. We say God is love. To be in love, there must be relationship. The Trinity not only reveals to us a different possibility for relationship, but also invites us in to relationship with the triune God. In our baptism, we are invited to know this love. We are born with water into a community that is marked by God's love and brought into relationship with God so we might come to know ourselves as beloved. We are born from above into a community of love, and as we grow in faith, our experience as beloved grows. But it cannot end there. It does not end there. As we see in the doctrine, and as we see in the gospel, we cannot fully capture or restrict God. God's love is not only for us, but for the whole world. God so loved the world. Are we ready to accept that? Are we ready really to include others and accept others who are longing to know this love expressed by the triune God? There's a church out west in Denver called the House of All Sinners and Saints. And they're composed mostly of edgy, postmodern young adults and of many who've been marginalized by the rest of society, including the church such as homeless, the working poor, and men and women from the LGBT community. And they are led by this Lutheran pastor who has a checkered past but was rescued by God in Christ. And if you've ever heard her speak, she is truly filled with the Spirit. And this church grew, not least because of their unpretentious love. And as they grew and news about their growth became known, they began to attract people from the burbs. You know, Middle-aged, corporate lawyers, well-mannered parents. And you, this, this caused a real stir in the parish. How could they welcome those who rejected them so often in the past? How could they keep their distinct identity? It is human nature to shut out the stranger. Then at a church meeting to discuss this demographic shift and the need to become more welcoming as a community, a teenager spoke up and said, as the young transgender kid who was welcomed into this community, I just want to go on the record saying that I'm really glad there are people at church now who look like my mom and dad because I have a relationship with them that I can't have with my own parents. And they all knew what they had to do because their distinct identity is the identity of the triune God. It is the identity of love. This is the Holy Spirit at work, bringing the people of God together. This is the reconciling work and love of Jesus Christ. The Spirit blows where it chooses. God sent God's Son for the sake of the whole world. And the triune God will not be contained. 
which is good news for all of us. I offer this to you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit.